Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. It's 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf Online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford and Kia Hyundai. Best of new inventory with great warranties and great end of the year deals. Great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Summary Motors guarantee. And a terrific service department that takes care of the routine, the difficult, and just makes the entire experience great for you. So dependable. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, where it's 11 and 15, almost worth it online, at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Trey Turner at the plate. And a high fly ball to deep left field. Rosario's going back, and this game is tied! Trey Turner has done it again! His 26th home run has tied this game up at six. It's number 150 for Trey Turner. A milestone moment. Tommy McCarthy with a call on the Phillies TV network. Let's give uh, credit where credit is due to Trey Turner, who got off to a really, really tough start, just could not get going, couldn't get going. And then, you know, the Philly fans, you know, rallied around him, which was really great. Um, And that's what happens when you don't wear a Santa Claus suit and you're not in charge of Dollar Dog Knife. They rally around you. What? No? Bad, no, bad. Senor! No, senor! No, senor! But the Phillies fans rallied around him, and he took that to heart. And guess what? The the last six weeks of the season, he has played terrific baseball, especially offensively. So let's give credit where credit is due. I thought maybe next year would be the year where, like, that second year, you settle in a little bit. There's not as much of that pressure to prove that 11-year deal. i got to prove to everybody the 11-year deal is worth it. That's okay. Slow down. Um, and But instead, fans rallied around him. He took that to heart, gave him a lot of confidence, relaxed him, and now I think he's playing terrific baseball. So... But those are Phillies fans. I mean, you know, it's at least one segment of the population rallying around. It's not like he's playing in New York where it's just a one big hate fest. No? Not true? It is what it is. You can admit massive disappointment. Oh, yeah. I thoroughly admit that. And I think Met fans would tell you the same thing. Hey, look, the key for the Phillies, get into the playoffs, which means you're in the tournament, and then after that, go out and see if you can win series. Okay. There you go. All right, so now you want to talk about grass versus field turf. And uh, I know a lot of people have been really, really, in fact, this segment is sponsored by Scott's. 
No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> if anything, it's going to be sponsored by John Deere because that's Luke's favorite. But anyway, so NFLPA is going after the NFL for the the turf at MetLife Stadium and just the turf in general for all these injuries. And, of course, they use Aaron Rodgers as the latest one. But Jets coach Robert Sala actually had an excellent point. He said it was a forcible injury. He's actually right. Yeah, he is. So whether that happened on a grass field, turf field, whatever, the way the injury happened where he was trying to escape from Leonard Floyd and his leg got caught underneath him, it doesn't matter what kind of surface you're on. That injury probably would have happened regardless of what kind of surface you're playing on. So let's the, stop using I, this Aaron Rodgers narrative and this injury narrative as just to, just to try to win an argument between billionaires and millionaires. You're, it's not going to get anywhere. It just looks dumb on the NFLPA's part. I think I made this point yesterday. Were you listening to the show? Did you show up? I thought so. I mean, I said yesterday, I said that injury would have happened no matter what. I mean, that wasn't a turf injury. Now, is the turf at Giant Stadium said to be bad? That's eh, not great. Um, but I can first of all, let's let okay, let's start from here. I know that it's interesting if you are if you're going to get a survey from the field turf people that will tell you that there's only a slight difference in injuries between field and grass, right? If you then get a survey from the grass people, they'll tell you there's a difference between field <laughs> okay. It depends on who does the survey. Let's, have, let's, be accurate. Let's, let's at least be realistic here. As I said yesterday, are the games, to me, much better on grass? Yeah. But the problem you are going to run into is not every stadium is a brand-new stadium with brand-new technology in it to get multiple fields in there, like Tottenham is. I brought up the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday. Populous built that. It was their baby, their design. And the problem that stadiums run into is, take, for example, Taylor Swift, Metallica, Bruce Springsteen. Where did they play this summer? They all played in stadiums this summer. Because you're trying to get multiple uses out of the facility. How often have we heard, they need to use Beaver Stadium more. It's got all those seats. It's a money bag. How often have we heard that over the years? I've heard it a lot. And I can I can tell you right now, when it comes to grass fields, guess what? Guess what kills fields? Concerts. Even when Blake Shelton came in here, and it was one show. So that stage was up a few days, plus the ramping and the runways for people who sat on the field. They had to re-sign all of that. They had to redo it. Concerts kill fields. 
And so now you have a field turf facility, and like, okay, you know, you can use this, put the stage up, the whole thing, take it off, no big deal, okay, fine, doesn't change the, doesn't do anything to it. So in terms of the multi-use of the field, I can understand the field turf part of it. But in terms of you're going to say me, which surface should you be playing on? There's no question you should be playing on grass. But you have to throw a lot into it. And there's also, obviously, an end to the growing season. You get to Accursure Stadium. Right? The link does not get used to the same extent they do in Pittsburgh. They're playing pit football. I realize there's Temple football, Eagles football. But there's pit football, Steelers football, and the WPIAL championships there. That field is a wreck at the end of the season. And guess what? At the end of the season, what can't you do? Because it's cold. You can't grow grass. You can't regrow it. Oh, you can resod it, but you, you can't regrow it. Hey, let's throw some seed and some water down. We'll be fine. No. And that's the issue you have. Unless you can come up with a surface that you can put on top of it, Or exchange it for these stadiums all need to have multi-uses to them hey let's get you know wwe smackdown at at metlife stadium well guess what you're going to put the chairs down the ramps down you're going to put the ring up the whole deal guess what it's going to you know it's grass you're going to kill the grass you have to resod all those areas so there's a lot of um elements that come into play here um I agree with James Franklin. James feels that that in a couple of years you're going to see such a push on this that there's going to be a lot of stadiums that go to grass. Right now you have 16 NFL stadiums that have grass and 14 that do not. You're saying, well, there are 32 teams. Chargers and Rams play in one. Giants and Jets play in another. So it's 16-14 in terms of stadium usage. Grass, 16 Field turf 14. And do I blame the NFLPA for pushing for it? The NFL's PA's job, more than anything else, Matt, is to protect its rank and file, whether it's in contract negotiations or in issues such as this. I do not in any way, shape, or form blame them for doing their job. If their rank and file is concerned about something, which they seem to be, it is their job to bring the point out. Don't you think? Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm, it's, I'm just a fair guy. <laughs> I just think this is a bad example to use. Yeah. Um, I mean, do I think his foot got a little bit caught underneath? Yeah. I think if you watch the replay, you do can you can see that it does get caught underneath. Um, whether it's enough to cause the injury. Um, I mean, if I'm the NFLPA, the argument I'm making is that you might have an Achilles strain on grass. And because it was field turf, it went from a strain to a tear because it got caught a little bit. Okay. It's just something, you know, maybe... You can debate that. That part I don't, I would not know how to answer that. 
But there's no question, grass is, I will say, play on grass every day. Always have. Now, is, is the field turf better than the AstroTurf that Jack played on? Oh, my goodness. Not even the same realm. Those guys came out with cuts and abrasions. and uh, Awful. Um, field turf, you probably have 90% fewer cuts and abrasions on it. Now, you also end up with a lot of rubber pellets in your face. Especially if they've just put them down before the game. Or, you know, a couple days before the game. I, mean, I know when I've walked on field turf right after they've put the fresh rubber pellets in there, it's all inside my shoes, <laughs> all over the place. But I would love to see all of them go to, go to grass. There are no multi-purpose stadiums anymore because Oakland's lost the Raiders. So you're not playing baseball in there like the old days. In the old days, you had, you know, the Giants were playing at Yankee Stadium. The Jets were playing at Shea Stadium. The Patriots were playing at Fenway Park. The Orioles were playing at Memorial Stadium. The uh, Colts were playing at Memorial Stadium. Um, let's see. Even, even the Bills playing at War Memorial Stadium because that was a minor league ballpark. Cleveland at Municipal Stadium. The Vet. Uh, the yep no but that's the, I'm talking about grass services. Oh right yeah okay. Uh, the vet's the worst turf on the planet. Yes. The, no no I walked on it I was like it's unbelievable the number of high uh, seams in there especially where the bases happen to be like wow but Cleveland I mean, okay the Lions played at Tiger Stadium. I mean, these are all multi-purpose grass baseball facilities. Uh, the Vikings played at Metropolitan Stadium. The Packers played three games a year at County Stadium in Milwaukee. Uh, let's see, who else played at multipurpose? At one point, the Dolphins and the uh, Marlins were sharing in Miami. The Falcons and Braves played at Fulton County Stadium. The... Obviously, the... A's and Raiders. The Padres and the uh, Chargers. Uh, for a couple of years, the Rockies and the uh, Broncos played at Mile High. When the Cardinals were in Old Bush Stadium, because it used to be grass in the 60s, Cardinals and uh, the Cardinals and Cardinals both played there. The Bears at one point played at Wrigley Field. Is it an illness I know all these things? I just want to know. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a talent. Because um, I'm, I'm, I'm near. I'm not as good as you are with the with this knowledge, but it's up my alley. Candlestick Park, which was grass at one point. Was um, Giants, Giants, and Forty Niners? What a dump that was, man! I remember going going there like yeah, and then you go to the new San Francisco ballpark, right? With McCovey Cove and the whole thing, you're like, wow, this is really great. <laughs> it's like really, this is cool. 
Yeah, but those are just some of the beans. So all that multi-purpose stuff is done on grass. I'm talking about grass stadiums. I'm not talking about you know, where you can, hey, let's uh, sow, in, sow in the bases. We're good. And then for some reason in Philadelphia, I don't know why theirs were so bad. But I'm talking about like like bad cutouts, bad seams. It was really, no offense, that was not a good place. The vet? Oh, yeah, everybody knew that. I mean, the, the the stories I heard was the vet, every time you were tackled to the ground, it was like getting, it was like getting tackled on concrete. And people, well, and guys would get like rug burns and stuff. I mean, now I'll say this in, in fairness to Philadelphia. When they built the Link, I think the Link is a great football stadium. They really did that thing right. It's terrific. And Citizens Bank Park, what a Great baseball park that is. I love going there. I mean, I mean, they bounced back from having the vet because I, mean, I was going into a Phillies game one day and the vet had been imploded, but the, all the rubble was still there. And I, I said to my buddy, I said, man, it's the best that place has looked. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Dave Zangaro in the next half hour will talk about the Eagles. They've got their game with the Vikings coming up tomorrow night. Interesting on that, last year the Eagles opened at Detroit, won the game, I want to say, was it 36-32 or something? It was 38-35 at Detroit last year. 38-35. He kind of walked out like, "Eh, okay. The second game was a Monday night game with the Vikings at the link. And that when that game was over with, you looked around and said, uh, this team's pretty good. So here they are, opening win at the Patriots, where they're like, eh, okay. But in the NFL, you don't do style points. And now the second game, albeit on a Thursday night, so a quick turnaround, ironically, is the Vikings again. And you know you're going to get the best from the Vikings. Because they lost their opener and they they know they need to get back to one and one, so this should be, uh, to me, interesting as a matchup um, on Thursday night. And the irony is, it's the same opponent in game two in the same location two years in a row. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You're not a 
big LeBron James guy. Correct. Yet, if you notice, after the United States finished fourth in the World Championships, LeBron James and Steph Curry both said they are extremely interested in playing for the United States in Paris next summer. I did see that. And LeBron has played for his country before. Uh, He's played in 4, 8, and 12. It's a lot of games he played in 8 and 12 in particular. A lot of games. Because in 8, his team at Cleveland made the finals, didn't win. And in 12, uh, his team made the finals and won. But he still played anyway. Well, he and Steph Curry have both said they want to play for this country uh, in Paris. See how it plays out. Um, but it is something that you should be aware of that they feel as strongly about it. And no, I give them both a lot of credit. I mean, that'd be fun to see if they can make well, it work. Yeah. Hey, I think it's great they feel that way. I'm always big on anybody who wants to play for our country. Of course, you know, I mean, maybe in today's society I'm a bit different, but I'm so bullish on America. That's That's been me. It's always been me. No, I didn't say the place was perfect, but there's no other place I even remotely would rather live than here. Dave Zangaro is coming up in the next half hour, about 2.45 or so, to talk about the Eagles. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. So important to have that. It really eases the buying experience. And a terrific service department that backs it all up from routine to difficult. Great technicians, great pros. They handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. No offense, I had to laugh at what Jill Schlesinger said about inflation. When you strip out energy and and food, well, I'm sitting over here like going, excuse me. <laughs> Isn't that like on the everyday basis what people are buying? Valid <laughs> am point. Miss, am I missing something here? Oh, you know what? I feel a lot better. I know gas is three ninety nine a gallon, but you know what? The inflation's only up four percent. I know gas is going up. That's okay. Well, let's go to the grocery store. Oh, you know, inflation's only up four. Excuse me, over here in the back. <laughs> Just give us the number, okay? Don't strip out food and, and energy. Come on. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? Oh, that that's at that point you know you've got a problem. Well, if you exclude like the really expensive stuff, we're doing great. <clears throat> Excuse me, what? 
Good news. Everybody's stupid. No, they aren't. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't treat everybody like they're dumb. You can't. That's just me. You can't do it. When you strip on inflation and food, really, I'm trying to think, what else do we buy? Oh, good. Great. That John Deere I want's less expensive. That's great. Oh, my almighty! Luke will be happy about that. Yeah. Well, I need fuel for the John Deere. <laughs> also true. And I might have to drive it over to the grocery store. All right, so... <laughs> Just kidding. So you had one more complaint, I believe. No, that was it. Just those are the two things I had on the docket today: the the uh, NFLPA thing and the Kirk Ferentz quote. Was there anything else? Any final comments from the depression locker? <laughs> uh no. I I think that about gets everything off my chest for today. Good. All right. Uh, Penn State, Illinois, Saturday, noon. I'm beginning at 1030. Uh, Big Ten opener for both teams. And uh, the game, by the way, will be on Eagle 107. It's televised by Fox. Yeah. Uh, So here you go. We know how Illinois wants to play. Brett Bielema, whether it was Wisconsin, Arkansas, or Illinois, will per, would prefer to play a power game, win the line of scrimmage on both sides. He wants to get to the lead, and then he wants to maintain that lead. Now, this is going to happen consecutive weeks. Iowa wants to play the same way, as we all know. Iowa may not play what you would term an exciting brand of football, but the key for Kirk Ferentz is he wants to play winning football. And most of the time he's done that, thus the 200 career wins. And it's the same thing with Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema wants to play winning football, and he feels that the formula to do that is to win the trenches, run the ball effectively, mix in, obviously, a pass game, because Altmeyer is not a... Altmeyer moves a lot like Garrett Green, the West Virginia quarterback, but he's a better thrower than Garrett Green. And that is uh, that really is how I bottom line what they have now. You look at the running backs. Love is the is the is the guy that that's quick, sharp cutter. McCray is more of a power guy, point A, point B. Uh, Williams, the wide receiver number one, can break. He had nine, he had ninety nine yards receiving against Kansas, but Williams has been their game breaker. They try to get the ball to him in many different ways. Now he's only run the ball I think twice all year. That's it. But you got to expect he's got to be part of what they're doing, uh, even in that part of it. Bryant can be a game breaker. I mean, he can be a big play guy. 
his problem has been consistently. Pat Bryant, 13. Uh, Casey Washington is more of a possession guy. The two tight ends are good. Um, their offensive line has been up and down to this point. Their defensive line, Newton and Randolph have been really good. The nose tackle has struggled. The transfer from Ohio University, he's struggled a bit. The linebackers have been okay to this point. And their secondary, which was just completely outstanding last year. I mean, just really outstanding. Uh, They lost three of those guys, including Weatherspoon, who was one of the top ten picks, to the NFL draft. Weatherspoon ended up with Seattle. And even though 10 Miles Scott and 14 Xavier Scott are both really good, they really are. The other three guys are not quite, with all due respect, to the same level of the guys that they're replacing back there. Remember, Drew was a completely different style of quarterback compared to Daniels of Kansas. Daniels throws the ball really well, but his ability to run really kept them off balance. But what Penn State does have that Kansas doesn't have so obviously the way Drew throws the ball is different, and the same part is the running the running game. There are two elements that travel no matter what, whether you're playing on the road in a foreign stadium or you're playing in bad weather, and that's a running game and defense. Weather conditions can affect the passing game. Weather conditions can affect special teams being on the Road can affect communication offensively. But if you're running the ball well and you're playing good defense, okay, that is a standard you can home, away, sterling weather, blue skies, bad weather, they both translate no matter what. Defense, running game. Penn State's got both of them. And those will be key elements in this one and the ability again I can't stress enough Penn State has scored in its opening two drives in the first two games with the game now shortening by five to seven plays that puts an an even greater imperative on playing with the lead especially against a team that wants desperately a home to shorten the game. Just a couple thoughts. We'll take a break. Dave Zangaro on the Eagles next on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. Always a pleasure to talk with the outstanding Dave Zangaro. Dave, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Hey, no problem. Good to hear from you. Hey, Dave, always look at these in the context of an opening game. It looks like the Eagles have some things that, look, they need to clean up moving forward. That's fine. It's an opening game that they won. Uh, Immediately, what needs to be cleaned up as they continue this pathway through what is a long season? Yeah, it's interesting because there are things on both sides of the football. Uh, I'm honestly less concerned about the offense just because I, I think they have the talent on that side of the ball to eventually win out. Uh, on the defense, I think that is a little more concerning because 
the weak spots that we saw were the weak spots that we kind of thought might be there uh, when they put this roster together. You're looking in the middle of the field at uh, the safeties and the linebackers, and uh, that's concerning. And their two best players at, at those positions got banged up in the game, the Kobe Dean now on IR, uh, Reed Blankenship dealing with a ribs injury. So uh, those two things are a little more precarious to me, and, and I, I think it's fair to, to wonder about those two spots. Whereas on offense, yes, they didn't have a great day. I think maybe there might be some growing pains with a new offensive coordinator, but they played a Bill Belichick defense. He threw some things at them they weren't expecting. Uh, I, I just think they have enough talent on the offense that I'm not too yeah. worried about that. Right. Uh, so uh, how long could Dean actually be out, and what's the update on Blankenship? Yeah, Dean's uh, he's on IR, so he's going to miss at least four games. And, and from my understanding, it, it probably won't be much more than that. Um, it's certainly not a season-ending injury. Uh, they lucked out a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to miss at least a month. And uh, in the interim, I mean, they don't really have a ton there. They have Zach out. They have <laughs> put them together. They have Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis, uh, who are likely going to be the starters. They signed Nicholas Morrow from the practice squad. He's been around. Uh, but they just really don't have a ton of depth there. Uh, and it was a spot where we, we kind of thought they didn't have enough depth, and then it, it gets tested very early in the season. That's not ideal. Uh, Blankenship, he's iffy for this game. Um, yeah. it, it's it's tough with that short turnaround, uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't appear to be anything long-term. Now I've been able to get a dose of some preseason work and then an opening game with Jalen Carter. What do you think? <laughs> he's special. Um, it's funny because in training camp you see flashes and you try not to get everyone overhyped, uh, especially because of the position he plays. It's really tough for rookie defensive tackles to make huge impacts. It, it historically does not really happen. Uh, but, you know, there were moments in training camp where you just watch him and go, well, yeah, this guy's incredible. I don't know. I, I know why he, he lasted until pick number nine, but, um, man, he, he's a super talented kid and uh, we saw it in, in the first game of the season. He was just dynamic. And uh, sure, you know, they, they were banged up on the offensive line. Those were advantageous matchups. We'll get another one on Thursday night against the Vikings. But uh, he's a special player. And, uh, man, uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, I, I really think defensive rookie of the year is a possibility. And, you know, he, he has an all-pro ceiling. So really excited to watch his growth over the next few years. All right, so let's bring it down back one year. They open at Detroit. They win 38-35. You're like, okay, well, that's a good opening win. You're not really thinking that much about it. But then in week two, albeit a Monday night at home, they played the Vikings. And when that game was over with, I think a lot of us looked around and said, hmm, this team is really good. I know it's a short turnaround, but it's the Vikings at home again. How anxious are you to see that game one to game two to give us an indication on pathway? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I don't think anyone will be surprised this year if they if they have another game like that. Last year, right. I, I always remember that game as the Jalen Hurst game. That was the game where you said, oh, I didn't know he could do that. And once he did it in a game, that kind of opened the floodgates and he ended up having this magical season. It's weird because this Vikings defense is like night and day from what it was last year. Uh, last year was that Donatel scheme that was like super zone heavy, didn't get after it, and now they have Flores there, and they're going to blitz the heck out of them. So uh, it, it, it just looks completely different. They have a lot of the same personnel. That defense is very different. But 
look, if they come out and, and they put together a good game plan and they handle the blitz, which is honestly a question I have about them offensively, I think he can feel really good leaving this game with the win if they're able to do it. Uh, and in the short week, it, I know the Vikings have to deal with it too, but whenever you win off a short week, it feels pretty good. And uh, look, I think they need to win these games early in the season because we yeah. see that buzzsaw coming down the way. You, you really can't afford to lose games you, you should win. And uh, if the Eagles do that, they're going to put themselves in a, in a tough position. Dave, the I know what Nick Sirianni's MO is. I got it. And the confidence he has in his offense, I got it. But did you sit back at all when it was fourth and two? And I think all of us knew he was going to go for it. But isn't there a certain point where I've got that defense that's really good and I'd rather have them have a minimum of 80 yards, maybe 90 to go instead of 52? Yeah, I thought about it briefly. Um, Ultimately, you know, in the moment, I was was fine with him going for it there. I didn't necessarily love the play call. I had a bigger issue with the play call than I did the decision. Uh, The thing in, in that situation was it needed to be a touchdown. Um, on the other side, right? So um, whether it's 90 yards or 60 yards, I I, I think the the benefit of potentially picking up that first down is more important than pinning them deep. But I understand the the flip side of it, and you're thinking, well, maybe – and sometimes I have to check myself because I I like the idea of a team being aggressive, and then sometimes in the moment you go, maybe this isn't the time to be aggressive. And I always think back to that 2020 – Eagles season because Doug Peterson was as aggressive as ever and his team was not as good. You know, I think that has to yeah, factor in right. as well. If you have confidence sure. in your offense and they're doing good things, then by all means, go for it. I, I think there are some situations, though, where it, it makes sense to be a little more passive. In that situation, though, I was, I was okay with that call. Yeah, see, and I'm the other way on that because I'm looking at Mac Jones at the quarterback. I don't think it matters if it's Patrick Mahomes. He can go 90 or 52, so I'd like to keep him off the field. Mac Jones, I want him going 90. I don't want to be giving him um, 38 yards. I don't want to be doing that you know, because now I'm giving him a free 38 and giving him a shorter field because he's not Patrick Mahomes, and I'd rather have him work longer. That's just me. Yeah, I guess I still think the benefit of no, I know what you mean that first down probably. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, I yeah, and I got it, I got it. But doggone, they did come close to converting though, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean credit where credits due. Um, Anything else? I want to get to the running game. Uh, The running game was a nice compliment to Jalen last year. Do you see the potential in this year's running game? to do the same and how much better is game well now than he was a year ago yeah I, I think this this running attack has potential they have to figure out how to use these pieces um, yeah that's definitely a question uh, it was so heavy game well on those couple opening drives like that was the offense uh, that was kind of peculiar to me even though it worked for the most part it was I was surprised to see it and DeAndre Swift had two touches Ideally, he has more than two touches, right? I mean, you bring this guy in, he's an explosive yeah. player. Uh, right. I think it probably has to even out a little bit. I'm really curious to see if and when Rashad Penny gets thrown into the mix because uh, there, there's such a variance in Penny this year. It's like he could be 
a non-factor or he could really, really help them. I, and I have no idea still one week into the season he was a healthy scratch and we won. I have no idea what he's going to be for them this year. So they have to figure it out. They don't have the high floor like they had last year with Miles Sanders who you know had a Pro Bowl season even though it didn't end the way he would have liked uh, in the playoffs with, with his uh, target share and everything kind of limiting at yeah. the end there. But uh, during the season, he was, he was exceptional. He was great. So they don't have that player. Uh, they have a few different guys who can help them out. And as far as Gainwell, I think he has gotten better. I, I think the yeah. reason we saw him play so much and the reason he played so much last year down the stretch was because the, the team trusts him. Uh, and they've yeah. shown that trust Good for a point. while. You know, he's been Good the point. the two-minute back. He's been the four-minute back. He's a smart football player. He doesn't make mistakes. And there's a lot to be said for that if you're on the coaching staff. And uh, they added some explosivity with DeAndre Swift, but I don't think the coaching staff trusts him as much as Gamewell right now. And I'll just end on one final, and this will be a statement, not a question, but it sure does remind you what a luxury it is is to have a kicker like Josh Elliott. I, I mean, sometimes that guy is forgotten in the mix. Pretty yeah, darn good. Elliott's one of the best kickers in the league. Um, yeah. It, it was kind of funny. He missed that extra point, and then he, he nails all four field goals, two from 50-plus. Uh, and, and a day when you're not having great offensive success and you, you, all you have to do is yeah. get it into plus territory and kick a field goal, that feels pretty good. Yeah, if you can get to the 35-yard line with him, you feel like you're getting points. Yeah. Always a pleasure, Dave. Great job, as always. Really appreciate it. All right, take care. Thanks. Dave Zangaro, NBC Sports Philly. Sean Hannity coming up next. Tomorrow, Peter King is going to join us on the show. It's a day of kings, as a matter of fact. Roundtable tomorrow on the high school season. And Peter King tomorrow. So big day tomorrow. Opening half hour will be devoted to Matt, who between the, over the next 22 hours is going to find so many things to complain about. And some of them might be sports related. Most likely, yeah. I mean, the other day when you were complaining about your garden, nobody was interested. <laughs> Getting late in the year now for that. <laughs> <laughs>